0: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
1: hello everybody welcome to this it is the rugby dungeon thank you for listening thank you for subscribing and remember you can come watch us live in Twickenham on the 7th of September we will be at the uh, well podcast festival or 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 um or whatever it's called. Uh, go on to the website, choose us as your preferred podcast. That'd be the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, and we'll see you there at Twickenham. Who knows? We might even see Jack Yendall there at um at Twickenham. How are you, Jack?
2: Very well, thank you. Yourself?
1: Good. Thanks. Do you fancy coming to the Egg Chasers live show in September? Yeah, that'd be
2: pretty good. That'd be a nice little day out, I reckon. A couple of
1: days. Exactly. I mean, hopefully better than your last day out in Twickenham.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Very disappointing day. Uh, you know, I've only actually won at that stadium once, and I've played there—I uh, don't even know how many times. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, it's—it wasn't the best, and you know, to be in a game for for so long, and we felt like we were in control for a lot of that game as well. Um, you know, we were forcing forcing into into mistakes that they don't normally make. Um, yeah. So yeah, pretty. Pretty heart-wrenching at the end. Pretty, pretty disappointing. We drowned our sorrows for a couple of days, but we'll have a bit of downtime now and get back to it. Um, get back to it in July and obviously chase it all again.
1: Yeah, I mean, how do you get over a game like that? I mean, it must be so draining because you were so good throughout the regular season. You finished top of the league. What is you know? Is there some sort of bond, like bonding process, or does everyone just go down the pub? I mean, what what is it you do next?
2: Uh, well, when we it got Pretty shit place for a couple of days, to no, be really. <laughs> um, The the morale in camp was was made slightly worse in the fact that we had to wait outside Twickenham for I don't even know how many hours. We didn't leave Twickenham till like let me think nine half past eight. Basically, had to wait for Matt Causick to to he had to do like you know they did random urine tests Oh like, really? He, he came up and he was just so dehydrated. Like he must have necked so many bottles of water and he just couldn't get enough we out, so it took absolutely ages. Hang on, did he and uh
1: did he hold up the whole team then going
2: home? Oh yeah, yeah. And
1: is that so. I, I mean, you know, part of me would think, Oh, throw him in a taxi, we'll uh we'll catch him later. Uh, was that was that because you wanted to leave as a team or was it just one of those things? Well, yeah,
2: it's just after a final, particularly after you've lost, everyone's a bit down in the dumps, you imagine? Yeah. to be so down in the dogs in a taxi by himself. Oh the loads of will we wait for him. He gave him. a load of abuse. But it was all right to be fair, there was, there was beers and food on the bus. We actually went did a, um did an emergency Tesco run as well to pick up pick up some more supplies for the return leg. So it, it was it was good. It was just obviously we would have liked to go back to um to kind of catch up with the the all the rest of the boys that were came up and supported us in the day, not just not just the team that travelled there. Um because they would have been on absolutely flying form probably Playing through the Friday night, all day Saturday, and then we kind of caught up with them Sunday morning. Mm.
1: Uh, How do you feel about? um, How do you feel about going to so so many finals? Because everyone sort of talks about it, like you know, uh, you feel like you might not get over the hump, and so so on and so forth. Particularly against Saracens. But I was listening to an interview with John Madden. I don't know if you ever watched the NFL America's Game. um, Of course, you did. The uh, NFL America's Game when they interview all the past Super Bowl winners. Yeah, yeah. and he was saying that that he had the same problem that he kept on kept kept on getting to finals and albeit you guys have actually won one but he said that he never felt like he had a problem the people the people that had the problem the people that never got to the finals in the first place
2: yeah you've got to agree with that really to be fair like I'd say the only final that we were never really in it was was last year's final where you know Saracens were were kind of quite well ahead of us there was a there was a big old gap in that school and we never really clawed our way back into that game particularly kind of the first half where we started really well in like the first five minutes mm. it was a very physical game but like practice for a little bit off didn't really back ourselves we weren't brave enough for the options we had um, you know even the first year you can say we weren't really ourselves when we played them in our very first final we, we weren't really ourselves in the first half an hour of that game and I, I don't know about it just being Overwhelmed by the occasion of being in a final. I think, you know, winning the semi before that first final, we celebrated so much and, you know, we had to kind of rein it back in and think, oh, hang on. Yeah. So I just celebrate being in a final. Whereas, whereas, you know, I alluded to earlier, being in this year's final was was just devastating because we felt like we were the dominant team. <laughs> um, and no, I you'll get people probably saying there is going to be a thing, but I don't, I don't think it's a thing at all. You just, you're obviously going to be chasing that end goal. But you just got to make sure that the performance is there for a full 80 minutes. And you've, got to be, you've got to be ruthless with it. Ruthless with it. Be ruthless with it. Because, you know, it's probably me, probably a lot of other fans in there, probably if you put players on the pitch as well at the time. Like when we got that score in the corner with Sladey, you know, I certainly jumped up in celebration on the bench and then looked at the clock. I was like, what are we doing? That's said. Yeah, I um, mean you, you've got to give Saris, you know, complete credit there for the way they came back, and I, I don't know what it was like twenty. What was it twenty of points? Twenty it, of points?
1: Yeah, it was. It was. It was more than what they got against Leinster which which was incredible in the which was incredible in the first place. To be fair.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that, that's that's maybe us not going for the killer, we're just going for the jugular is kind of. I don't know you, you can say that but then again you can say Thurston is just like that restart mm-hmm. Farrell put that restart literally in a really hard area to contest right pretty much on the five meter line just over the, the ten meter line of the kick won the ball back fair play to him they banged on that crossfield field cross field kick game on mm-hmm. um, you know and that's, that's what they're good at they, they've been in a lot of finals and you know hopefully it's easy to say because we lost but we used the experience well, going forward. Um, you know, I said in the afterwards, afterwards, like, it's it's difficult to say after a final loss, but one game can't define a whole season for what we've done within the individual games.
1: Yeah, completely like, there's, agree.
2: Been big, there's been some really big performances all, all year. Um, and that, that was for kind of 60-odd, 60 65 minutes of that final. <laughs> Just for lack of that last 15, which was pretty good.
1: Yeah. Will, will, will you be club captain again this year? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, then let's um, <laughs> let's rewind a year, or actually, let's just put it into perspective. Now, um, I mean, last year you found yourself in a similar situation, which is you lost the final, and you were club captain last year. I mean, how do you personally go yeah. about starting to like put those pieces back together when it comes to pre-season
2: How do I go about right?
1: How do you go about putting those pieces back together uh, when it when it comes to season <clears throat>
2: Uh, so, to be fair, the, the coaches kind of addressed it first. I think we had a meeting when we got back in. Or we, we did our um, – yeah, I think we had a little meeting to start with. Um, I think we did like a review of the final. And then we – the good thing is we've, we've done it for a couple of years now. We go away go, – go and do a couple of days um, – what was it called? We do a couple of days uh, away – from Sandy Park, yeah, a uh, um, bit of hot weather training abroad—that's what I call it. Um, but it's really good for like team bonding, uh, just getting away from Sandy Park, getting to the new players, and then when we come back, you kind of you reflect on it, and I think the coaches made us realise within the previous year's final there was a couple of options we didn't quite take, and we weren't quite quite brave enough, and it just—and then it flipped to Saracens' draw rise just showing them taking opportunities and, and making certain passes that we weren't quite brave enough with. And I think that was important just to show that like they're not untouchable, that they are they are beatable. Um, and I think the big thing for us was just, you know, and, and me putting across the players early <clears> in <throat> the season was just making sure that lads realised what it took to get there. And that's not just physically, you know, running over the top of people because that's that's easy to say it's it's making sure that lads put everything into the games emotionally as well and that's not just it can't just be done bam at the weekend yeah it's got to come through levels of training so making sure that when you you know know, we we have a laugh and a joke around all the time but when training does start it's got to be that bit of a snap into it yeah um you know i think we spoke a lot about the start of the season about before you know that the season's over and i remember in one of our players meetings, you know, just for the season end, and be like, "Look, we've literally got less than five games left now. It's come out and do So, it's just making sure that when you do have that, those kind of minutes on the field, you, you make them count. And the levels of training definitely reflect our performance of the weekend. And I think that's been a <clears throat> a key thing for our squad as a whole. Is that the, the training standards are very very competitive. We've had a very very competitive squad for the past couple of years, and that's that's driven standards in training. That's that's ultimately reflected on the, the pitch of the weekend.
1: Yeah, actually, it's funny you say that because I always think front row are in a funny position because I imagine you guys are ferociously competitive. You're fighting for your position uh, against Jack and uh, sorry, Luke, uh, and then obviously you've got four absolute, absolute, absolute quality props, uh, probably more actually. Um, yet when it comes to game time, you, you know you've uh, you've all got to be used and you've all got to be rotated.
2: Yeah. It- I mean, it's not just, not just looking bad. I mean, we've got all the other lads there, you know, they're definitely chomping at your heels. Um, but it, it is that thing, isn't it, about putting the team first. Um, and that's what the kind of, the goodbye in, from the whole squad tends to be, is that, you know, training, particularly towards the end of the season when it comes to semi-final and, and final time of the last year under the Premiership, training can get a bit heated. Yeah. can get a bit intense, but like, we always say that's a good thing because it shows that like boys care. It shows that the boys are in the non 23. are trying to prep the lads as, as well as possible. And it, it might be a bit of frustration, but it comes out in the right way.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: No, um, and yeah, it, 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 like front rows as well. It's you tend to train in the week as a three. And like, we do it actually quite a bit that we'll, we tend to come on roughly at the same time as a three. Mm-hmm. So like you, you, you kind of work in that block, oh, block, pattern, block, block group. So it's, it's you get kind of used to working with a certain three people chopping chains around. But again, it's the same thing. We'll help each other out on points. Like you said about competing with the other person, but like the six that are in the team, as in both sets of front rows, but we'll help each other out and stuff in the week and work on little bits. So it's it's quite, again, team-focused.
1: That's interesting. So uh, if you've got a game on the weekend and you know that you're starting with, um, uh, I don't know, uh, Thomas Francis and Hepburn, say um you yep. you'll work with the, uh, with those three throughout the week
2: yeah yeah so when 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 it comes to like unit stuff <clears throat> uh as in scrum stuff we'll, we'll as in like the the starting front where we'll work together on scrums then the replacement front will we'll work together
1: yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, I'm playing at, at uh, lowly level eight, but even there, I mean, the banter that we have between uh, which side of the str- which side of the scrum is stronger between like the lo- um, the loose head side and the tighthead side gets uh, gets pretty competitive.
2: Yeah, it's, I think because every every prop, every person in the program, every person in the scrum wants to kind of go over the top of the other scrum. Yeah. You know, you get so high that like you get to a scrum and it's like right we're having a penalty, here. and that's probably me just gobbing off too much. But like there is you know it's a, it's a front row's bread and butter in it. They they want to get there and have, have penalties at scrum. So there's definitely uh, there's definitely not the old oh we'll do a left hand left side up <laughs> wheel and we can't we can't do that one can't get away with that.
1: Yeah, um, are, you, are you a big talker during the scrum? Uh, I
2: wouldn't say during probably because. There's a fair bit of pressure but B- yeah, before it's, it's the squad, like, It's kind of the, yeah, it, it's a Yeah, it's the hooker's job. So I'll probably be on repeat so really boring stuff. But Go on, give, some players it, it,
1: give give me an idea of some of the boring stuff that that, that you might want to convey to me.
2: Uh so <clears throat> if we've got time we'll have a little huddle but we don't tend to have time, so it tends to be like little reminders of like uh second rows connection on hips and Getting their feet up ah. so they're not getting too elongated so they can't push and just just little little buzzwords that I'll probably repeat and don't realise I'm saying because I'm absolutely knackered. But <laughs> I absolutely love that There's, because some they help.
1: I, I absolutely love that because I assumed when you said that that you meant you were talking talking to your opposite number.
2: Oh no, God, no, I'm far too tired to be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh,
1: t- tell me, how do you? Um, how do you sort of balance out extra? Exeter? Because from an outsider's point of view, what I see is a phenomenally competitive squad. But I also see a bunch of boys that have, have an awful lot of fun. Uh, and it, it doesn't seem like it's all 100% all, um, all, all of the time. You seem to have quite a nice little mix there.
2: Is that within training or just
1: as a... Uh, no, no, like, you know, if you go on the social media, you boys are on, like, uh, some sort of social or, you know, it, it, it doesn't strike me as all business all the time.
2: No, it's not, and it's it's a really, really good balance. There, like, so it's it's kind of been a thing. I suppose it's from from Rob coming through from when the, the club was was amateur. Is that that you know when when we get the opportunity to have a beer and stuff, we'll, we'll have a beer and we'll enjoy, enjoy being around each other. Like a lot of the a lot of the young lads, for example, will go. Oh, I say young lads, Christ, <laughs> yeah. um, I'm still young. Uh, a lot of the uh, like some of the lads with our kids and stuff will go like now. measure all the time like there's, there's there's plenty of opportunities to spend a lot of time with each other and it's like most boys won't live far from the club either It's you know I'm 10 minutes from the club there's, there's I've got Olsey and Dickie literally next door to me um, you know like I said earlier with the beer like you get an opportunity to have a beer we'll, we'll have a beer together um, but it's just making sure you can go out and you know as long as you're not injured so you can go out and have a go at it but as long as you're ready to rock up on training on monday and give it a go and and get yourself as well prepped for the weekend as possible Mm. um you know that they're not too bothered that's certainly changed from when i first joined the club in terms of how loose the bus used to get um (laughs) you know i tend to only be on special occasions now when the bus gets as loose as what it used to but you know back then it was every pretty much every away trip whereas now it's There'll still be beers, there'll be a few games and stuff, but it won't be as mental unless, now, now, unless it is a special occasion, but that kind of comes with how well we're doing as a club.
1: Now, did you join the club before they got promoted?
2: Because that's a long no, time ago. No, I joined. When did I join? I joined in the 2012-13 season.
1: Now, the reason I asked that is because on your Wikipedia page, it said, signed from Championship ri- Rivals Doncaster. I thought, you can't oh, have been... been been there that long that you were championship rivals
2: no so no 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 so i uh well how do you think i am jeez I uh, <laughs> <laughs> no i um i kind of went about it an alternative route so i did uh i didn't go to a rugby school i just stayed at my school for my sixth form okay and just played my cult, cult rugby Crediton, and then went university at uic which now kind Cardiff met and then from there Went to Donny, and then got full circle. Came back down to Exeter, so worked out terrifically well. As I'm um, Exeter-born and bred.
1: I see. Yeah. So I I always find that fascinating when when players don't have like a local club, they you know just go straight into professionals. But actually, uh, Cardiff Cardiff Met is as professional, a, um, sorry, or as club-based university as you're pro- probably going
2: to get. Yeah, no, it was. It was good there because we had, we had a very, very good team for, the, for three years when I was there. Um, and that was not just, you know, that, it's not, I think now that I don't know if they run it, as two separate squads, I'm not really sure, but... So what so you, were you playing league rugby that? Yeah, yeah, le- league and, the university league and the Saturday league as well. Two games a week, so... Absolutely like, so The Saturday as well was, yeah, it, I mean, it wasn't every week, but like, there was some weeks where it was two games a week and it's, mm-hmm. it was the Saturday league that was kind of, yeah, your first introduction to men's rugby where they used to go out like student bashing at least to try and call it They just try and fight all the time so it was a good introduction but it was it was certainly you know some of the best rugby of my of my, uh, of my life i really enjoyed it some you know great three years good set of boys and far too much drinking got extremely fat and lost all my hair so it's brilliant oh, excellent
1: well i'm actually originally from north wales and they set up a, a team rgc Um, and RGC started playing in the South Wading Leagues and the South Wading Leagues particularly just uh, below what they call the the Premiership now absolutely brutal
2: yeah well so we I think that's what we we played in we were in the league below that so we weren't in the World's Prem we were in the league the Championship when it was yeah but when it was it was Division East 1 and Division East West yeah when I was there and I think we won which one did we win we won the East or the West, and instead of getting promoted because we didn't have the right facilities, we just went over to the other league, or went over to the West or the East League.
1: So, how do you end up from Cardiff Met to Doncaster? Is that
2: some sort of like Clive Griffiths link? <clears throat> uh, no, not at all. It was, well, no, he wasn't there at the time. It was, um, so I played England Students um, when I was there, and uh, I had his agent pestering me the whole time, like, oh, it's mate, And he's out my agent now, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and to be fair, like he said, look, it's a it's a bit of a track away. But if you want to give it a crack at, at the championship, you know they only had one other hooker there at the time, um, Steve Bowden. Um, and he said, look, you'll, you'll be playing championship rugby every week. So off I went up to Donny. Um, you know, and again enjoyed it there because there was, was a good set of boys up there. Um, and yeah, it worked out terrifically well because the next year I was coming back down to Exeter.
1: Yeah, because Doncaster's got a weird kind of, I, I guess a weird link with Exeter. I, did, did Steenson have a stint there? Alex Brown? Did... He,
2: no. Uh, Steenson was at Rotherham.
1: Rotherham, that's one. I always with,
2: get goes two mixed yeah, up. And I was with, uh, Alex, I lived with Alex Brown at uh, Bonnie.
1: Oh, right. Okay. Uh, and who's the other one? Oh, Don, uh, Don, Donny Prop, of course.
2: Yeah, Tom Francis, And I was there with Tom Francis. Who joined us from university? He was over 150 kilos that, when he joined.
1: That's that's absolutely absolutely astounding. That
2: um, my, he uh, was ridiculously big.
1: Mind you, what's he now? Because he's still ridiculously big now.
2: Uh, he's he's a lot slimmer, which is odd to say. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a, uh, I I can tell you now. I think he's under 130 kilos. So I like 120. I wouldn't have as the guest because I'd probably offend him. But he's definitely under under 130.
1: Yeah, I mean. I, He's pretty dominant now in the scrum. I can't imagine what he'd have been like playing against students at 150kg.
2: Well, I mean, he came in for the tail end of the season at, um, at, uh, at Donny, and he, uh, to be fair, for a guy that size, I've seen him running around the pitch a heart that. but he got around the pitch a mm. bit, not as much as what he does now, but he uh, was back in the, in the old scrum rules as well, where it wasn't, Crouch blind, it's just crouch. Yeah. Crouch balls or crouch touch. Uh, um, he would definitely go forward and just wouldn't go backwards because he's too heavy.
1: Yeah. I said, I, I in terms of scouting, because uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie, in the early days, I was a little bit critical of uh, of Thomas Francis when he first showed sh- sh- up at Exeter and then obviously he made the Welsh team. But In terms of improvement, I mean, that guy's through the roof now. Uh, like his involvement in rucks is, uh, you know, if, if, if you actually tally it up, it's one of the highest in the team.
2: Yeah, he's a busy guy. He just gets gets around the pitch. You know, I've shown the fact he's been picked for Wales for several years now. He he was a late call up to the Lions. Tour. he he's not just a prop that just stands there and pushes. He he gets mm-hmm. involved.
1: Yeah, and would you put a lot of that down? Because I certainly would do uh, to the to the e, e, to the ethos which is installed at, at Exeter. Because that's you know that's the one thing which stands out for me. Exeter is how hard the front rows work.
2: Uh, yeah probably it's probably a fair reflection um, you know the, the there's a big driver here of like um, work hard off the ball and well, that's that's important things where it's like winning moments so for example little things like working hard in the counter like flat out working hard in the kick chase you know things that are off the ball that probably won't get noticed by by some fans but they make a difference to your teammates do you, do you... Um, you know that's, that's Probably something he's bought into quite well since he's right. Do,
1: do you guys have any sort of um, word for that? Because you know, I, uh, I remember a coach that always used to tell us uh, do the shit jobs and the other one was uh, jobs that require no skill. Yeah, I think
2: that's what I wanted said. say. Uh, no talent. When the, no, the, the things that require no talent or win the no talent battle. And it makes a hell of a difference as well. It makes such a difference. It adds a couple of percent and it just all adds up, doesn't it?
1: Now, just going back to... Um, to your Cardiff days, you said you you, yeah. you said you met your agent there. Um, how how did you first meet your agent? Was there just a guy on the sideline? Did he did he spot you and call you over? Like how uh, how did that start?
2: A, I can't actually remember. I think you just kept hounding me with phone calls. Um, I think that's what I'm sure that's what it was. I'm sure he kept hounding me with phone calls, and I didn't really know what I was doing at that point in time. I, I was kind of keen in, in playing rugby, and then. I think he I think I actually answered one of his calls and he arranged me up. Um you know, I was pretty pretty large at this point as well, so a larger hooker probably appealed to a few championship teams. Yeah. Um but yeah, it was a bit I think it was like 100 and, I was a hundred I was pretty fat. I was fat I was very fat. Um but uh yeah, he just he literally bummed into well not bummed into me, harassed me for a bit, answered his calls and just yeah, got got me chatting over a coffee.
1: No. Hang on, you said that you were rather fat. Uh, that's actually quite quite interesting because when I think of, think of you now, I always think of you as as one of the more lean lean hookers.
2: Yeah, I've shed a bit of timber. Um, I, I was like one, three hundred eighteen kilos at my curviest. Okay, say. yeah,
1: that's oh, uh, uh, that that that's a pretty large man. So what are you know? Yeah,
2: no, one hundred eight. Ah. One o seven, one o seven, one o eight.
1: So, if you hadn't met your agent, then what was the plan for you in rugby? Were you gonna go go back to Devon, or you know, go and have, go and get a job, or what was what, what was gonna get what's gonna God, happen I have next?
2: Have, I would have hoped to have picked up somewhere rugby-wise. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't have been one hundred percent sure how, but uh, I hadn't actually planned that far. So he picked me up quite early, yeah, as in within my final year at university. Um, but considering it was like, it's, I'd say it's pretty much, well, it's, it's definitely semi professional in university rugby. Mm. And I kind of got the taste for it in terms of like doing weights and, you know, playing a lot, of training at decent standard, going up very good socials. Um, you know, and I, I got a taste of that. I, I loved it. Um, what I have done? Poof. Uh, clueless, to be honest with you. Absolutely Uh, clueless. One of those degree things, didn't I? But (laughs) uh,
1: and was there ever any interest from the Welsh regions? Uh, Not that I'm aware of. Amazing. I I mean, I'd thought that going to Cardiff Met would be the obvious choice for for, you know a scout from Cardiff.
2: I think I think maybe a scout from Dragons' Come to watch me one game, and I think I had an absolute stinker. <laughs> so I, that, that's all I was aware of anyway. But there's, like, you look at players that come out of it now, like Alex Donbrandt. I think he actually played for Wales 20s when he was there.
1: Yeah, uh, I think you're right, actually.
2: Yeah, and he he's one that's just, like, Wales have just been like, uh, oh, well, let's not pick him. And now he's, you know, he's, he's just played against the Barbers for England. So, yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's definitely better scouting that should be. Used in Wales, put it that
1: way. Now, this leads me on something, right? Which I've always want, which I've always wanted wanted to ask you. Um, I'm watching you on TV. You've won the Premiership. You regularly, well, you've led your team to be uh, the best team in the regular season. Um, um, Exeter are one hell of a unit. That they're, um, they're renowned for being led well. Um, and England's hooker options aren't exactly stacked. Have you ever had a conversation with Eddie Jones ever?
2: Nope, never spoke to him.
1: I think that's I think that that is astounding uh, do you do you ever think like you know I'm captaining one of the best teams in England, if not by some metrics the best team surely someone should give me a phone call at some point
2: uh, uh, I don't think I should have a phone call um I would love to have a phone call, but I don't think uh you know, I, I can't just demand one. No, you can't. Um, but I mean, there must it, be. It's, it's, but it, it, I think the big thing is about consistently performing at a high level. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I've, I've kind of got that huge X factor about me in terms of. I won't be a big like tackle breaker, or well, I mean, I break a few if I can, um, but like, I think that's what they kind of look for: is is a is a is a, is a big kind of big star in comparison. I don't, um, and, I don't know. Also, in reflection as well, I like, I haven't come through age group rugby, so I don't have like for several years of my start of my professional career, I was a bit of an unknown name. Um, and particularly when I, when I first start my chief career, I was I was inconsistent. I'm, I'll be completely honest with that. I'm my own worst um, critic, but I think you know what I do. I probably work quite hard. And I'm quite stubborn. I'll put stubborn down as a sort of quality. Um, you know, I'd love it to come, but if it didn't, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be too upset. I'd, I just want to keep concentrating on winning more with extra at the moment. And if something comes from it, it comes from it.
1: Yeah, that. I mean, that pro- that question probably says more about me than it does about you. Because if that was in your si- situation,
2: hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
0: and Airbnb, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: I've been thinking, um, maybe I should give him
2: a call. I don't know how that would go. It? <laughs> uh,
1: the amount of times I, I have this conversation with players, because in my world, you know, if you want something, pick up the phone and ask. You know, you, you might be pleasantly surprised. I
2: haven't got his number. There you
1: go. Uh, I'll text it to you later. All right, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> No, but um like on a serious note i I would have thought at some point someone would have said something along those lines do you do do you think it is a disadvantage if you're English qualified but you don't have the English under twenties and all that carry on prior to becoming a full on pro uh,
2: not necessarily, I just think the way that the youth setups are run now, I think they 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 flow really well into. The pathway of 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 the in, like the, the senior team, yeah, and that's not saying that the the pathway is not there for someone that hasn't come through these age groups. It's just the fact that you know, for me personally, I haven't for the start of my career at chiefs I wasn't consistently hitting kind of a performance levels I have like this season. I've been quite pleased overall with how our season's been, but you know, when I when I first started chiefs, I was up and down like a yo yo, um, you know. I think you've got if you if you haven't come through that age group, you've you've got to create your own pathway by being consistently good over yeah. a number of seasons. Um, and I think the the way that it's run now with with the kind of the 20s program pushing players through, I think I think it's absolutely brilliant for for those young players, and it kind of mm. gives them a lot of hope. Seeing you know seeing the players like Nolsey, Sladey, Dickie that have, have come through that pathway now, they're kind of international stars of England as well. I think I think it's a great pathway to have. I think it just kind of aspires young lads to to really go at it. I
1: tend to agree with you, right? Except for, um, I think it's most useful for the like skill position players, backs, uh, people like people like that. I think if you go through the England under twenties as a front row, you've still got so much to learn that actually people who don't go through that process, who are still you know in academies or you know playing championship, I don't think you get good at front row until you're about. Twenty five, twenty six, and you know, the higher up you play, the harder it gets. Which will probably uh, account yeah. for why you're club captain now, and you weren't five years ago.
2: Five years ago, or five years ago, or whatever it is. like for you. I can't remember. Hmm. Um, yeah, I can. I kind of agree with them in terms of from row. But I think you know you compare a cat like you said talking about academy staff and that, that thing now. The I think back in my day so back back when I was you know, coming through, mm. I think academies would very much then get you in for for training and, and things like that. There wasn't as much game time whereas now academies, particularly like your senior academies, are very much yeah. getting players game time. I think that's the big that's the big onus now and I think that's where they've got it right in that developing players need to play. So, you know, I said about university, I was playing twice a week. I was playing a high level of rugby, sometimes twice a week. And that was brilliant for me. Yeah. That I... was, that was hands down one of the best things for me. just going out there and doing it in a game environment rather you can, it's like people talk about game fitness, isn't it? You can, you can train all you like and run around all you like. Nothing quite prepares you for the fitness of a game.
1: Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. And, you know, that's kind of where, I mean, people who have listened to this podcast before will be sick of me saying this, but, you know, I always think that, um, Academy lads don't usually get enough game time. I mean, you've got the A-League stuff. uh, But, you know, unless you're out on loan all season, it's unlikely you're going to be getting that much time.
2: To be fair, our lads get quite... I mean, you know you say about loan net, but, like, when they're going out on loan net, they tend to be playing quite a bit. We've got, you know, last year we had a crazy amount of Academy lads come through. Mm. Um, You know, some of them may be dropping down you know a couple of leagues, but they're going out and playing. And I think, like I said, the, the important thing is that they go out and play. Mm. That is, you know, whether you have to drop down a league, whether you drop from two leagues, it's getting on a pitch and playing a game of rugby is the important bit at the end of the day. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. I mean, if you did it, if you did your career uh, um, all over again, would you still go down the path that you did, or would you be looking for uh, for an academy place rather than going to university?
2: Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, yeah, no, I'd get, i do, I'd do my route again, hands down. Yeah. In fact, I don't know why I delayed that. Yeah, it was brilliant.
3: Yeah, I, I... it was
2: like I, I got a tap. So it's tough because if you if you go the other route and you say you get to like 18, 19, and you don't make the cut. You don't get picked up by a you don't get offered that senior senior contract. Yeah. What what do you what do you do then? You know, you've got to then start all over. That's Whereas amazing. I went away, I had a, had a brilliant you know coach rugby was unbelievable when I played culture rugby. That was so good. Like my culture rugby. They had a good coach team. Getting picked on by the first team players, drinking games and stuff, but like <laughs> things like that. And like university getting on the piss, having ridiculous socials, living with a house full of blokes, you know, your mates, you know, just, just stupid stuff like that. Was, I wouldn't change for the world. I actually met my wife in university as well, so she's in the other room, so she's probably going to kick me in the shins. She's <laughs> that, said that first. Um, but yeah, no, I, I wouldn't have changed it for the world. Like the, the way I did it was, was pretty dreamy, particularly as I've, I've come back to my home club.
1: Yeah, I, I'm always really impressed with lads that, had an academy spot or got into a first team really early, and then got cut, and then made it back again. Because I think yeah. that's really difficult. That must be the worst.
2: Actually, yeah. I mean, that, that that just that kind of shows that you've got to have you've got to have a bit of drive and you've got to be like I said earlier, you've got to be stubborn. Mm. Um, you know, one person's no doesn't mean that's a no from every single rugby club, every single director of rugby. you're Going, you have just got to go out there and, and prove yourself. Um, you know, there's lots of players that happens. To you. you read all the time about you know players running clubs, about getting let go on, on senior academy contracts. Um, you know, one door closes, but another door opens.
1: Yeah, what would what what do you think the most important quality is for a player coming into a, to a professional setup nowadays?
2: Uh, Buy into the culture, one hundred percent uh go flat out as well. For a test in terms of when it's time to train, don't just enjoy being there. Yeah. Don't just think don't just think you've made it because you're training with the first team.
1: I've gotta say, um I think there's a load of talented lads out there. I've been lucky enough to interview a couple of lads who are, you know, twenty, twenty one, not only just in the academy but now progressing to England. One thing which always strikes me is uh how well-rounded they are, like, the maturity of them.
2: I think that kind of shows where, where they've come into, like, you just spoke about young lads coming through. I think that shows they've they've come into a senior team and they've, they've taken everything on board. Yeah. You know, there's, there's lots of information that can, you know, in meetings and stuff that can get thrown around and you can see, like, you can see, you watch some, some of the young lads in a meeting, Mm -hmm. they'll just drift, they'll just go, they'll be staring at, staring at a light or, (laughs) <laughs> look at it, I like and don't get me wrong, some meetings can get a bit like that, but that's that's just that's just the meeting. But like, it, it's making sure, particularly, you know, I'm saying here is like a young wife coming through, is that they they do take in that information mm-hmm. and they use it. It's not it's all well and good again being part of training, but if you're being in a meeting, take things in. If you if you're out on the training field, be aware of what someone in your position is doing. Be aware of what someone in your position. Is is saying on the field, or someone next to you saying on the field, or you know, little instructions, a little bit of detail, can make you far more confident. I think the more you rehearse using those little skills, the, the better you're going to get with it, and it's, it's going to reflect in your kind of maturity on the pitch. Now,
1: how do you go about? Because I mean, obviously, with the young lads uh, coming in, that's fairly easy. You can sort of set the standards, and you know what to expect, and you can tell them what tell them what to do, so on and so forth. Um, how do you go about integrating someone like uh, a, Stuart, a Stuart Hogg or one of these bigger players that comes into your environment? How, you know, how do you make him comfortable? You know, how how do you just make sure that he, he becomes part, part of the team? Uh, <clears throat> I don't mean exactly Stuart Hogg, but, you know.
2: No, um... no, no, no. I, know I know what you mean. Um, for example, we had uh, Jeff Parling join us a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, was that my first year? I can't remember. I don't know. I was, I was coming the time. And uh, you've obviously got to show him respect because they're, you know, internationally capped. I don't know how many how he caps. I not exactly. shows sure got exactly, but he's very highly capped, and he? he's you know a lion. He's a lion, and you know you've got to give these big name players respect. But at the same time, they've still got to get initiated. They still got to do all the things like that. It's, it's all part of that blend of the culture that we expect from, from the boys coming in. So. Um, yeah, it, it, it's both sides of the coin, isn't it? We've got to give them a little bit of respect, but at the same time, they've got to earn it in terms of buying into what we do, um, buying into the, the small silly rules and stuff. And that's all part of it. That's all part of them fitting in within the team. Um, you know, and it's just like anyone joining the club. You know, whether you're a big name or whether you're a small name, there's, there's no egos in that change room, and if there is, it will soon get. Hammered at you by the other lads, <laughs> so that, that's that's kind of environment we enjoy, and no one's above the team.
1: Now, another part of all the Exeter story is when you read reports in the press or listen to interviews. Is the legendary Rob Baxter coffee chat, where apparently you know he decides if you're the type of guy to fit into Exeter Chiefs. Now, I don't know if this is always true, but did you have said coffee chat? And uh, can you sh- can you share your experience of when you first met Rob?
2: Did you have a coffee? You know I mean? No, uh, with me, it was, um, I was, I was actually back from Doncaster for the weekend. Uh, what was that? With? I think it was might be my mum's birthday or something like that. Uh, and we were out of to food in town and my agent rang. I was like, oh, uh, I've got someone who wants to talk to you. I was like, who's that? He's like, oh, Rob Baxter. I was like, oh, Jesus. She <laughs> um, so was like, yeah, pop, up, pop out the Sandy Park now and he'll I'll have a chat. Um, so I was like, right, okay. And that's what I got told, that it was a chat. So I popped out with my message. I thought, like, I won't be long, Lester in the car. Um, turned out to be like, Rob walks uh, around the club, shimmy around the club. Um, and I always remember the one question, he had, like one of the questions he asked me was, um, I can't remember exactly how it was worded, but it was, it was something to do with, um, do you like to drink? And I was like, well, you know, I'll have a beer when it's time to have a beer, but when it's, when it's time to train, I'll train. Um, you know that that was kind of I think that kind of that was a, a little teaser to put out there to see how I'd react to that. But it turned out to actually be a full blown medical as well. So I've rocked up in like <laughs> jeans and a t shirt, no sports equipment at all. Next thing you know, I've done like a full medical to review the conditions i been in the gym, doing like cleans and all sorts of. What? Or shoes borrow someone's shorts that were left lying around the changing room. One misses out of the car. I was in there for like three hours. You're joking. <laughs> yeah, thank, uh, so, th- yeah,
1: thanks for the heads up.
2: Yeah. yeah. Kind of got lost in translation, that one. But no, it, it, again, I was just absolutely in the mood to even...
1: I don't know how I feel... So the- I don't know how I feel about that, actually. Like, I, I don't know whether I think... Hang on, this Yendle kid has come into my club without any kits, Like you know, kind of like the t- like 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 a PE teacher would go mental if he forgot got their kit. But then I don't know if I'd be equally as impressed if you showed up with no kit and then decided to do the cleans anyway.
2: Oh no, I got given. I got. I was like, well, I, I like they said I'd do some stuff in the gym, and I was like, go, go get, get me some shorts. shorts. Go get me some shorts. Yeah, well, no, I, I actually <laughs> asked nicely. I was like, could I borrow some kit? Huh. Awesome. Um, yeah, but it was just it was just lost in translation. I, I just didn't get told I was doing a uh, doing a medical run.
1: And did you have to run out to the car every you know, half an hour just to let your wife know know that you're going to do some cleans?
2: Nah, she was alright. She was fine. <laughs> Apart from my god, she's like I'm busting for a wee. Well, it <laughs> she worked. Yeah. She was
1: fine, and it worked out. Uh, and it worked out quite quite well anyway.
2: Yeah, exactly. I, I was literally, I was absolutely buzzing just to be. Just to be there, so you know I, I wasn't even. I think a couple couple of weeks before that, I was quite close to actually re-signing at Doncaster for another year. So. Ah, I see. I uh, was uh, well, not, I hadn't heard the offer, but I was I was contemplating.
1: So, when you um, if do my asking, when you joined Exeter, then I mean, was it was yeah. it explained to you like, hey, you are going to be second choice, you are going to be third choice, or we need cover, or are you are going to come in as a starter? Like, what was the you know, what was the deal that they were saying? Um, okay. I, this is why you're
2: here. It, it, I mean, when I was there, it was—I I, I wouldn't really say it's particularly me. I'd say it was the anyway, Is you've—you've you've got a if you're a a kind of non-proven player, you've got to earn your stripes. Um, you know, when I was there in my first season, it was—I um, think Chris White had started at the end of the season before. Ooh. Simon Alcott because Neil Clark had been out having a shoulder operation maybe. Kind of oh. off the top of my head, but it was it was it was those three lads, myself and Tom Cow and Dickey. Uh ah. were the, the five hookies there. So um so I I kind of when I got there, I think I can kind of got told straight away. I got told within a couple of weeks of the, within the season started to so I played a couple of early games. And I got told I was going to go on loan to Pirates. Okay. Um, which wasn't like a full-time loan. It'd be like, I'd get a send you down to Pirates for two days or, you know, one day, come back up. So did a fair bit of driving up and down did, up and down to Cornwall, but did you play for a couple of hours.
1: Did you, play without, did, you, did you play with Alan Paver?
2: I did. Legend.
1: Yeah, uh, that's the one interview that I've not had yet, which I really, really want. In fact, I, I, oh. I, I just sort that out in the next few weeks
2: paid to talk to you for about six hours <laughs> he's absolutely gold that bloke uh you know he, he really loves it as well like so he's chatting straight away he's like so jack let me talk to you about something what do you boys do at malls He just <laughs> comes straight up to me straight away straight away and then he's going on about his uh just he's, he's a hero of a bloke here.
1: well i mean hero. most what was it most most ever championship appearances which uh are... It's quite something, isn't yeah, I think it? That is quite
2: something. He's got something. like a, 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 hundred, a hundred thousand average <laughs> of appearances or something a, mental about that.
1: About that. Well, um, in small, interesting fact, I actually, actually played a game in, against Chris Whitehead. What did you? Yep, he was playing ten for, for for Kenilworth. Ten. Yeah, ten. This is about two years ago, a pre-season game. We took Didsbury Rugby Club down down to Kenilworth, and he just started started coaching, freshly retired from Exeter, and he played himself at ten. Yep, ten. Yeah, ten.
2: Jeez, he's lost his mind. Exactly,
1: exactly. Uh, but Please yeah,
2: we didn't kick the ball. Uh,
1: do you know what? I can't remember. We, uh, to be honest, we were we were too busy beating them. But uh, yeah, yeah, he played ten for a whole half or a whole quarter.
2: Saving his neck, he obviously had to retire from Chiefs for the, for the, uh, with a with a with a neck neck issue. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, he was saying that. Um, I Guess an occupational hazard of hooking.
2: It is, it's not it's not a most advisable position to play.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, so after your medical, then, like, how long was it till you were pretty certain that you were going to get signed?
2: I think I can't remember if I signed there and then. I think I might. Have, I, I actually can't remember too. Uh, Whether
1: was
2: signed there? When I was signed there and then? or came through, but it was it was it was definitely soon after. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, it was. It was. It was very soon after, and I then had to think about the long drive home from Doddy, trying to pack my stuff back in my car again.
1: <laughs> now, let me ask you about some of the LCCs, which I'm sure you don't want to dwell on, but uh, nevertheless. Um, Exeter in Europe, what do you think it is that, you know, you, you're just not as effective in Europe as you are in um, in the Premiership, and sometimes even against Premiership opposition? Do you just think it's bad luck, or what would you say is the issue there?
2: So, it is, but like particularly, I'd say this year, Europe, it was enormously, enormously frustrating. So, uh, I know the games we're going to say about. So, the glo- well, we'll go, we'll go to the Munster at home. The Munster at home game was probably the most frustrating game because we drew that game, and we should have won it. But it was the most. I mean, it was it was the same for both teams. But the wind in that game was ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely manful. Um, and I, I kind of think that spoiled the spectacle of what that game should have been. Um, and you know that I'm still bitter about the, the last scrum of the game, where I, I think it should have been a penalty. Oh! does
1: Yeah. What What happened last? Um, last scrum of the game? Because obviously it, you you you, uh, you remember it, and I don't.
2: Yeah, oh, I remember it. I remember it we went right over the top of them, it, but it's fine. Um, can't let it go. <laughs> but. Uh, you get this a lot, and this this, this question. Sorry, um, it's it's difficult because you want to get the balance across to to the squad that it is a step up, but then you don't want to go off tangent and start doing stupid things that we don't normally do. Um, because you want to you want to keep hammering home the way you play and the style of how you play. But you want to be a little bit more intense, so it's, it's, it's a tough balance to get across. And I think you can also say about the Gloucester at home game, which which absolutely stung us as well. Yeah. And again, monsoon conditions in that first half, and then just stupid, stupid errors in the second half killed us in that game. Um, you know, we gave ourselves an up, an uphill mountain, an uphill, an uphill battle to climb. But I think we, it was the the, the pleasing thing was is that we didn't go down with our tails between our legs um, you know obviously those I'd say those results hurt us the most the the monster and the Gloucester at home um, the pleasing thing was how we bounced back the following week in the Gloucester away game and the back to back in terms of we went in and, and put in what I would say is the Chiefs performance um, you know very abrasive very in your face set piece performed very well Um you know, and it it kind of gave us a, a do or die in terms of cast at home in the following round, where we we blew them out the park, and we had to go over to Munster. I think we needed, I think I can't remember what it was, but whether we needed uh, we needed a bigger points difference I, to win that game.
1: Yeah, you had to beat... Uh, did you end up with a draw against Munster second time round?
2: No, I think we lost the way, but we. Because we had, I think, I don't know if it was the amount of tries yet, to score or something.
1: Yeah, I seem to remember that you need that you needed quite, quite, quite
2: a big points difference. We, yeah, cause we, we, yeah, that was it. We kept having options to go for the post, but I'm a stubborn idiot, and I kept going for the corner. Ah, idiot. yes. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm stubborn, and I back our set piece. There do you know go.
1: what? I'm so glad that you mentioned that. Okay, because this has been a talking point on our other podcast, Egg Chasers, for God knows how long. And it's something that I absolutely love about Exeter, and that's the fact that you continue to go to the corner, you turn down points. Uh, and I'd love to get some more. Is this a team identity thing? Was it discussed uh, prior to prior to the season, or you know, do you decide that on the fly when when you're captain? Uh, you know, probably the best example of it was Saracens, where you went there, you failed quite a few times, but you squeezed life out of them and then eventually won.
2: Here's my theory: I back our set piece a uh, back our quality I back us to score um, you know why take three points when you can end up with position back in your half when you can bang in seven times put the team under that pressure and I think that's a big thing it was pressure within the game if you bang in seven points against the team mm. they're going to feel the heat whereas if you if you kick to, and so, look, I'm not saying it's always right to go for the corner. Yeah, um, doesn't help that I'm a stub- I'm stupidly stubborn. Um, but you know, it's it, it's about momentum in, a, in in a game, and a, you know, squeeze. It, it's it's very, like we we back our set piece, and we also back our fitness as well. And yeah. like we, a lot of teams, was it Stuart Barnes or Oaks Are too He Doesn't know what he's talking about. We're, we're, Hasn't got yeah, a clue. Well, we're not boring. We're, we're not boring to get there, are we? Yeah. Um, and, you know, defending our set piece is a exhausting to the position forwards, and if it gets into pick and goes, that's also exhausting to defend as well. Yeah, um, uh, the,
1: your pick and go game is probably my favourite thing in rugby. Probably, it's it's definitely good. up there. I have no time Quite for off I I just love the idea because, like, I come from a sales background fundamentally. Right, my um my day job. And I once met this grizzly old uh, sales guy who said, uh, "Never, uh, never get down when so, when someone rejects you, because you know you you um, you're gonna make you know one good call in ten. So every time that someone rejects you, you're one call closer to that good call. And I wonder, I kind of wondered, like, do you guys take the same attitude? Just because you lose a line out on the five meter, well, it doesn't really matter because you're gonna score three in five anyway. So you only so you're one closer to the one where you do score."
2: Well, the, the, exactly that. Like, if, if we're not going to bang in the mall, we're going to bang in a pick and go. Yeah. That's that, that's the science behind it. Like, if, if we're not going to score the mall, well, we're going to be within a couple of metres, we're going to score a pick and go. Now, when
1: you get to those five metre channels, I imagine that there will be a sort of confidence within, within the team. It, are those the areas of the field that you feel most comfortable with?
2: I think the confidence just comes because. The the, the confidence comes obviously because we scored a lot of points doing it, but the confidence comes because we practice it a lot. We we back our like we back our drills, we back what we do. Mm. Like being being confident in your role gives someone else around you confidence as well. Being confident of what's going on as a pack allows everyone within that pack to be confident. Yeah, if that that makes sense. I'm gonna explain that well. Yeah,
1: because
3: I
2: think. The confidence from individuals allows the collective to be confident.
1: Interesting. Okay, well, one of the things I've asked extra players before, and I've not really been happy with the answer, is just recording your pick and go game. I know that when you do other mundane tasks like, I don't know, rucking, there's lots of small details. I don't believe the extra pick and go game is as simple as saying, right, you pick up, the new pick up, the new pick up. Are there any details? Are you able to share these details with me? uh there is are you, are you are you allowed to tell me uh,
2: probably not <laughs> <laughs> probably not sorry i'll pass on that one. fine fine fine
1: well uh i'll get it from someone else one of these days
2: yeah you pr- yeah some some idiot will step up not me yeah
1: excellent so just to finish off then have you got any holidays planned before the pre
2: uh, yeah, we're actually going, so we were going to go abroad, but our, our dog Brian is, is very unwell, bless him. Oh, no. so he's, yeah, he's uh, he's got a horrible old tumour, bless him. Um, he's kind of riddled with cancer, so we've decided not to go away abroad this year. We're going to go to a rainy Cornwall holiday uh, next week. Lovely. To enjoy the rain, but it'll be a little little family trip with Brian, maybe the last one. Bless as he's coming up next to me. Um so yeah. It's a bit disappointing being sat at home seeing everyone on Instagram. Either in Bali or Cyprus or <laughs> Crete or somewhere. And when are you sat here in Brandy Brooklyn? But...
1: And when are you reporting back into Chiefs? When's your first day back in work?
2: I think oh God, you put me on the spot. July well, we get a five-week break anyway, so when are we going to the final first? July the 8th. Oh, five yeah, it's usually, final, yeah it that way.
1: it's usually first week. Uh, uh, are you back in first week of July?
2: When it, Whenever's five weeks from the final. Uh, yeah, it'll be the 8th. July the 8th.
1: Well, mate, I'm, um, I'm going to say, it is a break. Very, very well-deserved. Congratulations on yet Another great season. Even though it's not quite the way you wanted it to finish, it's still another great season. Um, where can we find you on social? Thank you very much. Uh, where can we find you on social media?
2: Uh, well, I'm, so, I'm just huge on social media. Um, <laughs> Instagram, Instagram's probably the go-to uh, for my maybe once a month post, but that'll be the go-to.
1: Okay, and we can look forward to things like uh, you ordering drinks and Wetherspoons using the app and all that ki- uh, and all that kind of carry on
2: yeah because i'm mental with two kids i got all the time <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly right well mate th- uh, uh, thank you so much for coming on and uh, we're gonna have to have gonna have to have you on again some uh sometime thanks for having me cheers mate hi this is craig robinson from ways to win and support for this podcast comes from invesco qqq